And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Walking Dead. Hello and welcome back to Walking Dead Wednesday, number three. This is a special episode, uh... And uh, before we uh, tell you what's so special about it, let me introduce my special co-hosts. Uh, we have Mr. Sean Engel. We did have him. <laughs> oh, am I? <laughs> He's here. Am I lost? No, I'm here. See, that's how special I am. I can you know, completely, <laughs> you know, you know, disappear from the podcast and. Uh, moment's notice yeah and and the and the other one you hear chuckling there is scott gardner and let me just explain something to you the two of them have a special little podcast center that we've rigged up for them with little shapes in it and all they have to do is stick little you know little bricks in the shapes to to make the computer do things but i think sean (laughs) put his square Square into the round hole or something. I don't want to know what he put in any holes. <laughs> yeah, all right. Was, I don't want to know what you guys. It wasn't giving me any grapes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, and 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 when they say something that that the viewers like, they get rewarded with grapes or sometimes like a little banana meal with grape nuts mixed in with it. <laughs> Or pornography. Or pornography, yes. <laughs> that's, that's when they're really, really good. Ding, ding, yeah, ding, that's, ding. That's when I get to the maze in, in record time. It's like a Pavlov's dog um, scenario there. Okay, <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Okay, we're just going to stop that right in its tracks. Um, why this episode is special, we won't be covering a comic this time. We will be covering the... Walking Dead novel, The Rise of the Governor, by uh, Robert Kirkman. What's the other guy's name? Jay Banana Zinga. Banana Rama. Banana Rama. Something. Yeah. Smoking Joe Bonamasso. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there actually was somebody. Before who... we get any further into this, I I, I want to throw this out before I forget because you know how my memory works. It's on huh? like a thirty second timer. Right. Um, I just want to uh, shout out again, uh, send thanks to uh, Bill Robinson because I, I feel like he's almost the the inspiration for this episode because he sent me the novel, um, oh, completely awesome. out of the blue, completely unsolicited. He he sent me a, a a pile of Indiana Jones books, and in that bunch of books that he sent was the actual hardback novel to uh walking dead rise of the governor i had no idea he was sending it i thought it was awesome and i was you know up until that point i'd only been kind of lukewarm on the idea of reading the book i was like nah i don't really like the governor i didn't really like that story arc all that much it was you know it's like for eh. free but for free <laughs> yeah you know it was one of these things where i i you know i i have a a mountain of other reading material to to get through i mean I joke all the time that I probably won't live long enough to read it, but it's actually starting to look like that's probably a literal truth at this point. Oh yeah, it definitely is. But you know, but I opened up that that book and you know, just kind of perusing it to say, well, you know, I'll see what it's about. And the next thing I know, I'm like halfway into it. I'm like, God, this book is. Mm-hmm. And I just kept reading. So th- again, Bill, thank you very much because it it I enjoyed it very much. But and and Bill anyway. Robinson, a man so dedicated to podcasts that he went out to his car the other night to to grab his iPod. 
or iPhone and uh, dropped his keys in the car and locked them in the car. I got a Facebook message from him at like 2 in the morning going, do you know how to break into a car? And I'm like, what? You come to me when you have to break into a car? And he's like, you're the only one who's up. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm certain the fact that you were the only one up was the reason that he called you. I've never owned a car. I don't know. Why would I? That doesn't mean you've never broken into a car. (laughs) That's true. But uh, anyway... (laughs) Yes, I, I, I listened to it on audiobook, and I was about halfway through it, and I was pressuring Scott, come on, you got to read that book, and then we can do a show about it. And he's like, yeah, I got a couple Star Trek, but, and before you know it, you know, he was he was racing right through it. So it's uh, it was a 10-hour audiobook, and I pretty much uh, ate that up in two or three days, over two you know, or the, three days. The saddest thing is I really thought for the first time ever, other than the the epic begathon it took to get my wife to record like 30 seconds of audio for episode 200, uh-huh. I really thought I was going to get my wife on an episode finally because she started reading. I, after I finished it, I set it on her nightstand and her pile of whatever the hell she reads, you know, the, the all those literature. like... Well, I mean, she reads, you know, wild. I mean... No, no, she doesn't read like you know, smut books, right? She reads like, uh, you know, all those like bones, you know, the, the stuff that inspired like the TV show bones and stuff, you know, all those, right. uh, wow. like crime mystery, you know, type of things. But I said it over cause she likes the TV show and I thought, eh, you know, she'll either read it or she won't. And she started reading it. But then I was asking her about it one day. I was like, so you know, are you liking it? Oh, I liked it, but I had to stop reading it cause I was working third shift. So she was home alone, you know, with, alone with the kids and she was uh, too scared to read it, but you know, <laughs> being home alone. That's a good with, sign though. Yeah. I guess, but, but yeah, but she yeah. was enjoying it up to that point. But I was like, damn, you know, cause I really thought, you know, I might be able to get her on to talk about it cause she enjoys the TV show quite a bit, but I can't get her to crack a comic to save my life. 18 years I've been working on her. I still can't get her to pick up a comic book. So yeah, I've got the same thing with my wife. Uh, she is a big fan of the show, and she's one of those ones who hasn't read the comic books or picked up any of the trades. And I've got you know the trades starting with you know issue one, and I'm collecting the comics up to now. So she's really enjoying the show, and she's constantly asking me, you know, you know, what are these characters doing? You know, what's going to be happening now? Who is this person, and how is their relationship working? Right. So she's she's one of the ones who's coming to this from uh, the standpoint of not knowing what's going on in the comic. So she's, she's enjoying it as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she, you know, I, I doubt that I could probably get her to, to read this. Chris was good enough to, to point me towards uh, the audiobook as well, and uh, that's how I listened to it. And yeah, it was a, like a ten and a half hour thing, but I, yeah. I went through that. I, I ate that up, you know, driving in my car, I was listening to it. If I had time at work, you know, where I could put my uh, iPod in, I was listening to it. It was, uh, it was really good, and I, I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed the story. Now, is it a straight up reading or is it an enactment? It's pretty much a straight up reading. The guy who's doing it, I can't remember it. He he varies his voice enough that you can tell distinct differences in who the characters who the are. characters are, and That's he's cool. very good at. He's very good at the casual southern accent, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he, you 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 get the feel that it's happening down south even more so than in the uh in the TV show or the comic which you can't hear. You get a real feel for authentic, you know, accents and and the and the way that 
the people would deliver the lines with an accent, you know, because right, because um, the character, the char- the two characters, um, uh, I guess maybe you want me to give a little um, little shit house. Um, um, actually, well, before we even go on, before we do that, yes, yeah, um, I, we I, should I, warn everybody. I, I think I think you and I can, because uh, I kind of had a, a half formed synopsis in my head. So I think between okay. the two of us, or between the three of us, we can uh, we can kind of do a, a quick and dirty synopsis. Um, at this point, though, I think it's uh, you know we really should stress the point that we're going to do a spoilerific discussion of this book. So if you haven't read the book. I mean, I, I think we agree uh, that I, I mean, I really enjoyed the book and I, I think you guys enjoyed it, too. So, I yeah. mean, I, I would really encourage you if you haven't read the book, um, really, I, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, I really would rather you don't listen to the episode. But here's how we're That's okay. kind of planning to do this. It, so we... or, or at least hold off or at <laughs> hold, least hold off. off yeah. Listening hold off and then come back after you've read it. But th- we're going to kind of do this yep. in two stages. We're going to do a. a, a uh, a, a synopsis and a discussion that's going to be spoilerific. However, we're not going to spoil the end of the book because I really feel like spoiling the end of the book will spoil the entire we'll book. For ruin you. it, yeah. And then we're going to pretty much, you know, wrap up our final thoughts and end the show. However, post that, we do want to discuss how we felt about how the book ended. That discussion is strictly for folks that have read the book. So again, you know, we're going to spoil, but we won't we won't give away kind of the Twilight Zone ending to the book. Beyond that, we will discuss it. So you are forewarned at this point. If you don't want the entire book spoiled, you know, you, you got to find your bailout point in this. Otherwise, you know, I'm just saying if, if it, you know, I wouldn't I'm, have wanted this book spoiled for me because the I'm, ending, whether you love it, whether you hate it. It definitely affects how you feel about the entire story, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Now, now, yeah. With that description, though, it makes it it, it makes it so. Uh, it makes me all the more enticing. Me, yes, exactly. It makes it all the more forbidden fruit. You know what? I'm going to use that new Illuminati technology I have with the subsonics, so <laughs> that anybody who hasn't read the book, their their ears will start to bleed and their nose will just start. Well, to your gush voice not. does that. I know, but it, this sort of enhances it. That's how I stumbled on that that little bit of technology. It basically just took the the wavelength of my voice and uh, <laughs> and turned up the annoying parts, which is <laughs> which is amazingly enough ninety eight percent of my vocal quality. So <laughs> go figure. <laughs> All right, on to the horror story. <laughs> other than the horror story that is my my pathetic existence <laughs> so how how do you want to go about this you want to just sort of uh g- give a synopsis and then we'll, uh... well I'll, I'll do it if you want i don't care yeah, i mean okay. I, I was just gonna do a very quick and dirty all right basically yeah. this is the story of philip blake his brother brian his daughter penny and their friends um bobby and nick and the book starts out when you know the world has already gone to shit you know the the zombie apocalypse is upon us and these people are basically the last little holdouts of of their their uh community 
and they're trying to make their way to to Atlanta because you know much like we had seen in Rick's story you know where where his wife and Shane and them were trying to make their way to Atlanta because that's where they had been told to go same thing with uh with Philip Blake and his little band is that that's where they think you know the the remnants of humanity are and they get there and they're horribly disappointed because Atlanta's gone. It, it's completely overrun with the undead. And uh, there was a great mo- – one of my favorite moments in the entire book happens there where Philip, who has managed to hold this little ragtag group together and keep everybody else from losing it, loses his shit and puts them in a horrible situation where they're rescued – Really, at, at a moment where they're, it really looked like it was all over for them, they get rescued by this small little family. It's it's basically it's two sisters and their aged, dying father rescue them and pull them in off the street. And Philip gets involved with you know the the younger, nicer looking girl, and and things look look like they're really going along pretty well for a while. And then there's a bad turn in that situation, and they're forced back out into the cold again, basically, back out into the world. And from there, it's kind of a slow spiral down, you know, that that the situation just continues to degrade and degrade and degrade. And much like, I mean, this book to me really paralleled Rick's story in a lot of ways that every time it looked like they were going to be okay... And things stabilized for a while, and it really looked like, okay, they finally found a refuge in this horrible world. That's when everything would go to shit all over again. And it just continues to happen. And one of the things that really keeps you going through this book is the knowledge of who this person ultimately is going to turn out to be. Because here's the strange thing about doing this this episode for me is we haven't reached the governor in the comics yet, or at least not, not the full story arc. Right. So it's kind of weird that we're actually going to end up talking about this character before we've fully, you know, gone through his his character arc in the comics, which is a little bit strange. But, you know, so if you're familiar with the comic book character, it, it's a very weird dynamic reading this book because it, it would almost be like reading a Hitler biography and getting halfway through and going, you know, this guy ain't so bad, you know, because that's kind of how I felt in this book was that. I hated the governor, the char- you know, the char- the comic book character. Yet, I mean, very early on in this book, you're kind of like, I like this guy, and you find yourself rooting for this guy, and you want to know how did how did he ever get to that point where he was such a, you know, scumbag as he was. So you're waiting for that. You're also waiting for other developments like Penny and things like that, and. Uh, that's kind of where I want to leave our, our synopsis at this point until we decide to get um, more spoilerific later on. So, you know, feel free to add anything to that that you want. But that's that's kind of the quick and dirty on uh, on this story. Yeah, that pretty that's a pretty pretty that's a good way to sum it up without without spoiling it all. So right, yeah. Um, the thing I remember reading. It wasn't. It was probably like chapter two or chapter three. They printed it at the end of a Walking Dead comic. I can't remember which one, but and I never. Know. I didn't read it. I remember that, but I didn't read it. And I read it, and I remember 
thinking to myself, I don't really like this prose style. It's almost like reading a treatment, you know, a story treatment right. or uh, uh, maybe a comic script. I was thinking maybe this is like how Kirkman writes his comic strip, but then I saw it was um, written by Bananarama, so I was like, okay, so may you know, maybe he's doing it with a Kirkman. But it was very, it, it reminded me a lot of the last Hannibal Lecter book by the guy who wrote all those, you know, from Silence of the Lamb and Red Dragon and all that. Um, really? And uh, uh, what was it? Hannibal Rising, yeah. which which I read and and all the other um, Red Dragon, Silence of the Lambs and, and Hannibal were all, for the most part, pretty dense, not not extremely complicated books, but they had a lot going on and they were very kind of ornately written. And Hannibal Rising was very sketchy. It was almost like a treatment or a or a, a rough version of a script, you know? And uh, that's what it, it reminded me of. And it was kind of awkward. But by the time I got done with the excerpt of it, I was like, okay, I was following along with it. I was in the flow of it. And that's sort of how I felt in general about the way it was written. It, I didn't really like the writing style, but once I got engaged in the story, it pulls you right along. You know, it sucks you right in. And once you're in, you're in for the duration. Yeah, the writing the writing may not have been you know exactly to the liking of people who read the comic, but the themes and the sort of story that went along with it was very similar to what you oh, get yeah. in the comic. It was it basically followed you know like like Scott said it basically followed the sort of same thematic uh, route that the comic does is that they come into a situation they get settled in they think everything is going to be okay something bad happens someone meets a tragic end or something bad happens to someone, they move on to the next thing. And, it, you know, it sounds like a trope for the comics, but it was nice to see that it was paralleled in the book here, the same, and it was paralleled in the book and in the way that it is in the comics. Well, I was just going to say, I'm going to have to disagree on the writing style because I, I really liked that because, you know, we've as we've commented many times, we really like the way that, that Kirkman has, you know, he's masterful on writing people the way human beings actually speak, how, how people today actually speak. And I found that to be very true of the writing style of the book is that, you know, there, there's not a lot of passages or a lot of descriptions where it feels writerly, you know, where it feels well, very, uh, you know, like like even when you, when you would get like Stephen King or something, sometimes he can get a little you know highfalutin. Well, you, you can know, hear whereas his voice. this, yeah, yeah, whereas this was well, very much like for everybody. You know, like this is how people actually. You could actually even imagine somebody was telling you this story because it was spoken kind of like how, how we speak today, even when it was the writer writing and not a character speaking. If you know what I'm saying. I can, to some extent, agree. I, I, well, I can totally agree with that. The characters they got were very real. They felt like they should have been in the Kirkman Walking Dead universe. What right. kind of took me out was when it got to the narration or the description, when it got a bit too scientific, where they're talking about the blows being to the occipital lobe and the, you know, the, basically the discussion of the group. That seemed a bit out of place to me. Uh, you know, I think uh, they were trying to. 
do go like make it like a gore movie sort of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. It came off as a little bit um, academic, you know. In, yeah, and in I understand. Ways. I understand that not being the comic and it not being a visual medium, you can't see what's going on, so they have to be descriptive. But you know, it to have the sort of realism of the characters of sort of the Deep South, you know, uh, paired with the uh, you know, intellectualism of this description of what's going on with them offing the zombies and such was was a bit jarring to me. I can see that. You see, I thought the dialogue was was dead on, and and especially oh, yeah. when you listen to the audio book and the and it would you know you'd have the gruffer voice of uh, Philip, who's mm-hmm. you know the aggressive. He becomes he becomes the Rick, the leader of the group, and. And Brian is his his brother. Is it Brian his older brother? He's like yes, yes, older he is. Brother, yeah, but he's definitely the wimpier, yeah. you know, more educated, less less, you know. Um, yeah, he's, he's confident the one who's, brother. He's the one who you kind of expect wouldn't have survived this if it weren't for Philip being there right. to basically look after him. Yep, Philip is just sort of the center of the whole thing, and and Bobby and Nick are his two, his two cronies. But you can tell that he's sort of you know that he's the one that they look up to also. So he yeah and and uh, well I think they they really purposely you know did the parallel with Rick and even you know even so these guys and the way the plot is and the timeline these guys are like a couple weeks ahead of Rick. You yeah, know, yeah. In, in their travels is, and here's the first spoiler: is they actually end up in that that one housing development, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that that you know Rick and, and and his crew end up in, and are the ones who put the uh, you know all dead inside, or, yes. or you know, yeah, yeah, don't enter or don't enter, don't enter all, all dead, dead inside, or something yeah, like all that, dead inside, yeah. yeah. And, See, I liked that, and uh, I was I was hoping for some little nod to you know the the comic book series and the fact that up till now all we'd ever seen was Rick's story so I was hoping that there was some sort of nod to that and I'm glad that that's all there was because yeah. I mean, once I got that I was both really pleased with that but then I was nervous for the entire rest of the novel <laughs> right that there might be more and I didn't want more because there was one moment where um, Penny said something like, look, a police officer or something. And I thought for sure they were going to see Rick w- riding into Atlanta on that horse. I thought that oh, is, Lord. you know, I really thought that's where they were heading with that scene. And thank God it wasn't that because I, I that would have been a little too much for me. Yeah, it was good that they gave that little bit of, uh, you know, cohesion between Rick's story and Philip's story. But they right. didn't make it to where you know, coincident where, where coincidentally they, you know, basically were just crossing paths left and right. Yeah. Just right. to make the fanboys happy or something, or just, yeah. yeah, just to make callbacks. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I liked that. It was, it was pretty much its own thing. Another thing I liked about it is immediately it was like not going in directions that I thought it would. So it was, it definitely started, you know, um, dashing my expectations from 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 the beginning yeah now what is there is there a scene in particular that stands out for you in in that context because there's a huge one for me and that was uh, again you know spoiler warning on all this but 
probably my favorite sequence of the book beyond the part where where Philip really loses it for the first time when he's behind the wheel of that car. That's a scene I would love to see in an actual movie. Yeah. I don't yeah. think this would work in a in a comic. I don't think that this would work in a television show. I think that this could only work in an R-rated horror movie. But that scene, I could visualize it so well in my mind what it looked like. I thought that was really, really awesome. But the part of the book that that just, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it really broke my heart was when everything goes south between him and, um, what was her name, April? Yeah, April. Yeah. Between Philip and his sort of girlfriend. That was really disturbing because that is the first time I really realized, That's damn, I like this him. guy. That's yeah. when you, you start losing him. And that was, yeah. I think that scene, I, that was one I was wondering if we were going to, um, should we, are we going to say what, what happens in that scene? Or is that too, well, is that too spoilerific? We have warned them. We have warned them. So yeah, at this point, you know, the only, the only thing I would say is still off the table and discussing so far is, is the, the end, end of the books. You know, but yeah, okay. everything else is fair game. That that scene to me, I, I was wondering if that's what you were going to say. That scene to me is like the big turning point in the book. That scene to me is more important, actually, I think, in the story than even the end of the book. Yes. Yeah. It, it, that, that that scene, because up until this point, yeah, Philip's Philip's a badass. He's kind of he's kind of an asshole in some ways. You know, he's he's gruff and and kind of just like very harsh on his brother. But, but he's like that time, because he has to be. He's keeping him alive, right? He's right. keeping everybody yeah. alive, and he's, he's got being, his daughter he's being there. Hard because he has to. Right. right. And, which is very Rick-like, except he's just a lot sur- – he's a surlier guy than Rick, you know? He's a more – he he. you know what, Scott, I, I, I and – uh, he reminded me a little bit of your dad. Oh, my you dad, know? yeah, I know. I, know? That, I think you know. I, 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 I was hoping I could you would hear think the I hesitancy. In, no, I could hear the hesitancy in your voice to say that. But you know what? That's who I kind of visualized. Yes. In that scene with yes. the car, I could see my dad in his old black Fairlane yes. doing that scene from in the book. And that, yeah, it is. My dad was a, a lot of the time my mental image of Philip in this book is as a younger version, twisted dad, as that like, is. Yeah. yeah, like a twenty-five-year-old, twenty-eight-year-old version of your dad. Yeah. Do we want to kind of discuss that scene? Well, because yeah, I, I agree. That thing was, that thing was epic. Well, to it, hear yeah. about that. You Go know, ahead. Yeah, I mean, Scott, you know. Sure, go ahead. ahead. Well, basically, you know, uh, they get to Atlanta and they come across a gas station that they're hiding in. And in the gas station is this sort of souped up, tricked out uh, Cadillac Escalade. And they they take it and they're going to drive into Atlanta to try and find the uh, the shelter that everyone has said is supposed to be in the middle of Atlanta. And they come across basically the biggest horde of zombies that could that they have ever seen it's filling all of the streets of atlanta and i i don't know the layout of downtown atlanta but i can imagine that this is if not tens of thousands but hundreds of thousands of undead yeah. just yeah. walking there and i think that's a site that they couldn't pull off in the comic or they couldn't pull off in a TV show. This would be something that they'd have to get, you know, like Peter Jackson's, uh, you know, design from like Lord of the Rings in order to get all these zombies in there. 
And uh, Philip just basically says, so do you want to go in Atlanta now? And he, for a moment, snaps and loses it and runs the Escalade into the middle of this horde of zombies, just plowing through them and mowing over them without any regard to anyone in the car. And it's, he, he's just had enough. He's, he's venting his frustration about all this. And it's a, it's an epic scene and it's disturbing as hell as well. It was where he was first because he, I, I think what his character was, was somebody who was starting to realize that there's no law now, mm-hmm. now he's kind of the opposite of Rick. He was on the op- other side of the law of, of Rick. Rick starts off as a cop. This guy's starting to realize it's very much like a lot of Vietnam veterans would later say is after a while they realize they could get away with a lot of stuff there. You know, he's starting to realize, you know, that he could sort of indulge a little bit of his sadistic side. And when he snaps there, it's just like, you know, and he and. After all that time of him, you know, really controlling himself and keeping everybody together, he just, yeah, went into almost like, it was almost like indulgence, you know? Mm-hmm. It was almost like he, as if he was alone and didn't really care whether he lived or died, which was really shocking because, you know, basically you could tell that he was going to try and keep everybody alive, but he would basically pretty much sacrifice anybody else in the group for his daughter you know his daughter was the thing he was keeping alive he'll keep everybody else there because they'll help keep his daughter alive but if you start endangering his daughter he was you know you're getting the back of his hand real soon and his daughter's in the back seat of the car and all of a sudden he's just like going on an end run you know yeah that 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 was that and and yeah, and the way and the way that scene plays out, it just looks hopeless for them. You know, it's just and and each scene where they 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 get overrun with zombies or you know wherever their safe haven is, it it's worse. You know, it's right. not just it's not just they keep getting overrun. It just keeps getting uglier and uglier, culminating I think in Atlanta with um what was um what was the woman's name. With April, April, April and Tara, yeah, right, mm-hmm. and and you you see this sort of blossoming romance with with April with with um, Philip, whose wife had died, so he right. you know a lot of his you know he a lot of his bitterness was due to having a, a dead wife, and uh, and so he was starting to actually you know you, you're thinking okay we got a little a little romance going here and then that you think that sort of put gets squashed because basically he has to put their father down <laughs> the father right. the father dies and uh old you know the death of an old man and then comes back and tries to munch on the sister and he he basically takes him out very sad, kind of sadistically <laughs> but you know so he kills the like their father in zombie form, you know, in front of them right after he died. So it's pretty traumatic with the daughters. But, you know, he ends up becoming, you know, um, sort of starting to dip his toes in the water of starting a romance with April, and they're starting to get, you know, a little system to go from building to building and get food. and, And he sets up an elaborate 
you know, he sets up an elaborate thing where they can go to the movies. You know, he, he blocks off the, you know, he and, he and his brother start blocking off the streets. And, uh, you know, he takes her out on a romantic date. And that, I think, is the turning point in the book. He, they're in yeah. this sort of, you know, the, a skyway between two buildings. And, and they start making out. And after a while, she's just sort of like, wait, I want to stop. And he does not stop. It's it's a flat out rape. And yeah, that is like one of them. That's the most shocking part of the whole book for me. When I was reading when when I was listening to that, it was just like because at that point I was sort of thinking, where are we going here? Because I sort of see the pattern going. But, you know, this guy's got to become the, the governor eventually. Where's where? And, the, and at this point. At that point, that's where you really... He goes from being a character that you like to a, a seriously twisted character, especially his reaction to it, which is he sort of knows what he did, but at the same time, he sort of denies it to himself and blocks it out. While he's doing it, he's even sort of... Not that he's not aware, but... He's he doesn't of, care. He's in this place where he doesn't see, care I, and doesn't know. See, and... I interpreted that completely differently. That's what's funny is I interpreted it more that not that he didn't care, is that he was caught up in the moment. But as soon as it was all over, I I interpreted it that he had a wave of guilt that came over oh, him. Yeah. That he realized he'd gone too far, that he had likely you know destroyed this entire situation which turns out to be the case mm -hmm. so that's that's funny that you see it different because i you know yes it was a rape yes she told him to stop and he didn't i'm not defending his actions i'm simply saying the way i interpreted it was that it was almost a thing where as a as a guy you could kind of see his thought process is that he was caught up in the moment but as soon as it was over he was like shit you know, I have I have really screwed up. But yeah, that, but, but, yeah, but it was still the, but that thought was still like I blew it. It wasn't like, oh, my God, yeah, what have I yeah. done to this poor girl? It was like, no, uh, it was it was blew this situation. Yeah, you know, it was, screwed it was everything resigned. Up. Yeah, it was a very resigned, you know, it's almost like quiet defeat rather than, you know, yeah. trying. He didn't even try to patch things up because he realized what he had done and that was very powerful that was more powerful to me than than him actually trying to defend himself because one of the things that i had a tough time with was right after that happens you know they wake up the next day and all of their equipment's been taken from them their weapons and everything and tara puts them out and I found that scene to be kind of unrealistic in oh, a sense really? that i really thought that there should have been a fight in that. Mm, no, uh, what 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 I interpreted that too is he started going into denial, of thinking, well, I maybe I just blew it with me, you know, with with the girl and and with April, and I'll just be able, you know, we'll still be able to stay here, but it doesn't look like I'm gonna have, you know, she's gonna like me anymore. He didn't, you know, he was sort of rationalizing that maybe it was. Ah, uh, he just lost his mind a little bit that, that, you know, but, you know, in the meantime, she'd gone back to her sister and said, hey, look, this fucking freak just raped me, you know, and the, no, see, and, that was, and we better, we, and they, and they, they did that, they did their planning, 
they they said play it cool and they made their plan they said look we're going to get their guns we're going to get them the fuck out of here because if that happened they don't know what's going to happen next with them even with the little you know she was starting to develop feelings for the little girl you know they were well, see, that's very... where i was going with this is that see my what what i'm talking about was that i i bought all of it up to the point where they that they were being put out you know that that Tara had had enough, and that that was it. You guys got to go. And I even bought Philip's resigned defeat. That everybody else is is kind of encouraging him or looking to him like, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you defending us? Why aren't you defending yourself? You know, why why are you allowing her to just put right. us out? I bought all of that, and I thought it was very very good. But I thought that the the writers missed an opportunity for a little more dramatic tension with that scene because I think that scene would have worked out so much better if it had been, you assholes got to go, we're keeping the little girl. I never understood why Penny didn't try to keep, or not Penny, but uh, April rather, didn't try to keep April because that would have created the, the, the added tension. That was the one thing, I, the one element I felt that was missing in that scene was... was if she took his little girl away from him, he would have come back in the night and killed them all. Brutally. Right, yeah, right. There's, but that's there's... what I'm saying is, is as it stands now, he just allows them to be put back on the street. And that's it. We never hear anything more about April. And so we don't know what happens to them. And that bugs me. I want to know what happens to yeah, them. That's, and we uh, would have that's known. That's very Kirkman. Like, yeah, we would have known if he would have, if it would have set up. But I don't think she would have put herself in a situation where she, I think she would have known better. She would have known that she would have ended up dead if she would have kept the daughter. And the daughter wouldn't have wanted to stay with her either, you know, because she doesn't understand what's going on. You know, all of a sudden right. this woman's like, no, you're staying with us, honey, and your dad, and and the daughter is also, you know, also very. I mean, the story is almost written from Brian, the older brother's point of view, and the daughter is very close with Brian. He's sort of her, he's sort of the one that's like with her while Philip is doing all the dirty work. Right. So he's yeah. the guy who teaches her to close her eyes and, you know, how to how to like, you know, gives her the, gives her the secret word that she says whenever she. She needs to cover her eyes and whatever right. she needs to withdraw. Right, and and get away from the horrible shit that's happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it would have been very hard to get the little girl away from that situation, too. She's with the people who've been keeping her safe, you know. Um, so I, I thought that played out. I was, I was when, when that happened, I'm like, okay, how is this going to play out, you know? And I didn't expect it to play out that way, but I uh, was very satisfied with that being the way it happened i was like okay that that makes sense you know and i took both of those uh, um women as being very strong personalities too they were not you know they were not you know southern bell type of guys they were girls they were hard drinking you know right. uh bluegrass band turin family you know hard living they they'd had their share of romance and and partying and fun and stuff and having to defend themselves and fight off guys so i i thought that was a very practical way for them to resolve that situation without bloodshed do you think we'll ever uh we'll ever know will no. we ever see them again no. or hear I of bet. them again no. i think 
they're 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 going to be they're just going to be characters that they ran across. Yeah. You know, I thought it was surprising that uh, in the comic that you know, and this is I guess spoiler ahead that they eventually came back to uh, oh the guy and his son from the yes. beginning of the novel. I was surprised that they actually met up with him again. I uh, the uh, I can only remember the son's name was Dwayne. Yeah, yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne and, uh, and uh, Morgan. And Morgan, Morgan and Dwayne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I was very surprised too. Now, so, I you see, I think it's a common trope in in zombie movies and post-apocalyptic and road movies, where you meet characters on the way, and then they're gone. You know, the, and you meet interesting characters, and then they go on their way on their story, and stuff like that. Um, you see, I I don't know if Kirkman is more. You know, I think he's interested in what happens in those characters, but he's he's more interested also in telling a story that has some sort of, rather than just being sort of a story of a character that has some sort of thematic thing that's going to work in the whole thing. And that's yeah, that that I was I was very happy with the rise of the governor because it wasn't just sort of like here's some more Walking Dead. You know, yeah. it had its own feel to it. While at the same time, remaining, uh, remaining somewhat in the world of the comic and the TV show, you know, and and uh, and it was better than most zombie literature that I've read outside of like short stories. So I was, I was very happy with it. Um, I really liked when they got to Woodbury, and it was like a wild west town. You know, it was it was barter town almost. It wasn't even barter town. It wasn't even that organized. It was just sort of like cri- crime lords in the in the, except they were you know military guys or you never really got the impression if they were really military guys or just like some musclehead like survivalists weekend warriors or who something. just yeah. decided they wanted to you know maybe killed a couple marines and got their outfits or something. Or they could have just been actual military guys who went drunk with power, but yeah, it's sort of it's sort of become a, a town run by by bullies and barter and and was just sort of like anything goes, you know. And uh, with with and I like the uh, fact that uh, that the sort of um, bread and circuses aspect of it was had begun before the governor even blew into town you know before the town was even a gleam in the governor's eyes it already had a taste for for you know some sort of enter, you know entertainment i don't know that's about all i can really say about that up until the end <laughs> well i think we also ought to mention that there was that scene uh you know after they leave atlanta they get to you know, another, they get to this, uh, basically this country plantation where they're able to hold out for a while. Oh my God, I forgot all about that. And yeah, well, that's, you know, that's kind of important because, you know, another spoiler alert. Yes. You know, this is where we find out what happens to Penny. This is where, you know, they, they basically get the, the Kirkman trope of they come to the place, they set up everything, they, they get comfortable and then, the shit, you know, hits the fan as, uh, you know, Brian had been watching out and he'd been seeing, you know, like car lights and he, you know, he'd been telling Philip about it and he, 
you know, Philip had basically been dismissing him. But eventually they get beset upon by these guys with, you know, a bunch of, you know, basically a bunch of drugged up coke They're, they're like drug addicts or like speed freaks or something. Yeah. Yeah. And they come and they've got, you know, weapons aplenty and they come and basically attack the plantation. And Philip and Nick and Brian don't have basically anything to defend themselves with. And Philip tries to get his, you know, Philip tries to work his way out of it. But they basically take over the plantation and all hell breaks loose. And, uh, you know, obviously, spoiler, uh, Penny gets shot. And she dies. And I think this, if all the things leading up to it had gotten Philip crazy, this drew this drove him over the edge because she got shot, she died, and then of course she came back. And for all of the people who've read The Walking Dead, we know that Penny, his daughter, is is a zombie that he's been keeping alive. And they show it. They show it here. They basically, you know, Philip basically after everything goes on at the plantation, Philip chains up his daughter and starts taking care of her. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know about you. It was horrible. You know, uh, you know, uh, I don't know about you, Scott, but I had problems listening to that as a person you know, who has kids because Kirkman did a really amazing job at conveying the kind of loss and the kind of uh, feeling of just emotional drain that you would get from uh, losing a losing a daughter or losing a losing a child in that way. You know, I thought it was really powerful. Absolutely. See, I, I was wondering where that was all going with Penny because the book describes her differently as we saw her look in the comic series. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually wondering if it was the same little girl when I think that is actually still kind of up in the air. And we can talk about that later in the, in the last section of, uh, mm-hmm. of the show. Um, but yeah, uh, two things kept me going in this, but, you know, kept me just turning the pages and turning the pages. One was that, that rhythmic, oh man, it's all in the shit. Oh, okay, they're going to be okay. Oh man, it's back in the shit again. Oh, okay, they're going to be all right. You know, it, there's that, you know, that keeps you going up and down. You know, it's an emotional roller coaster through the entire book. But the other big thing is presuming that, that Penny is the same girl that we see in the comics, how does she die? You know, I mean, it, it's almost a foregone conclusion she's going to die. Yeah. You just want to know when is it going to happen? You know, how, how is it going to happen? And I thought that it, that was, see, the, the funny thing is I, I, I draw strong parallels between that farmhouse scene and the original Dawn of the Dead when the biker assholes come to the mall. Right, right. I, oh, I yeah. hate both of those scenes, not because they're bad scenes or anything, but because I totally feel for those people in that situation. They've worked so hard to get themselves to this feeling of we're going to be okay. And it's not even the zombies that ruin it for them. It's these outside assholes that can't leave them alone that, that 
you know, here the world has gone to hell. You would think that humanity would pull together and help one another and try to survive. No, this is probably what it would really be like is that you'd have these renegade bands of, you know, just almost like feral humans that were out there and they didn't, they don't care about anybody else. It's all about survival. Whether you're a zombie or whether you're a fellow human, they'll screw you over just so that they can get further ahead. That's the thing with the bikers and with these guys, it goes even beyond that. Like we'll do anything to stay alive. They don't even give a shit whether they live or die. They're just like, they're like nihilistic and, and like, Oh look, well, you know, maybe if we go and attack them, maybe they'll have some guns and food. They'd probably right. just like kill everybody in the house and then probably just party in the house for a couple of days and then move on. You know, it would be nothing really gained from it from them, you know, exactly. For them. It's, it's just... just like those biker guys in Dawn of the Dead. I mean, yeah. you, you don't get a sense that they want in because they want the mall and they want the refuge. They want to get in there, loot everything. Yeah. You know, re- destroy re- the place and havoc. move along. Yeah, yeah exactly. they're, they're living. They're finally living in the anarchy that they've. You know, crave, or, yeah. or, or not crave. They've always lived in that anarchy, but now they can get away with it for, you know, free and unfettered. So it's, yeah. it's just a, a free for all. Yeah. And you know, how, how scary is that? How scary a world would that be to live in where, you know, you've not only got to watch your back night and day against, you know, these, these flesh eating monsters, but then you've got, you know your your fellow human monsters that you've got to worry well, about. Well, that's, that's that's the essence of zombie movies, and then you start realizing, well, at least the zombies are dumb as shit. You know, the humans, even the stupidest human, is like a hundred times smarter and cagier. Yeah, right. that was basically the theme of most of the Romero movies. It wasn't the zombies that were the, the problem, the threat. It was the it was the humans. The yes. humans were always the ones who were going to screw in, you over. In every Romero zombie movie, everything would go, would have gone fine if a few humans hadn't done dumbass, you know, stupid thing. Not not even yeah. not stupid like "Oops, I made a mistake," but just like. You know, selfish. yeah, selfish or, 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 you know, yeah, it's, it's just the running theme and the same with like 28 days later and, and all that. It's always right in the end. It's always the people that are, that are the worst element, you know, the zombies, they're just, they, you know, they're like an animal. They're just reacting to their instinct. You can't blame them as, as far as having, you know, any kind of bad intent towards you. They're just hungry. You know, they're just doing what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> they're just doing their thing. Why did you just leave them alone? <laughs> leave the zombies alone. Leave them alone. <laughs> they they need their zombie William Wallace. <laughs> you can take our lies, but you'll never take our brains. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Scott, you are like a sample of that. It, it whenever you do that, it almost it's I, it makes me think that I'm like editing the the show and listening back, and I, <laughs> and I put drop that in there. Great. Quick question for for the both of you because yeah. I, I I can't decide for myself on this. I, I I'm kind of going back and forth now. Granted, horror is not my genre, as I think I've said uh, many many times. However. I've read a fair amount of uh, of zombie prose stories. Could this possibly be the best zombie prose story? Ooh, I don't know because 
the name the, name a better one. I'm trying to think of specific um specific titles, but I know there's at least two or three stories and I'm trying to think of what the name of the anthology is. You have it too, Scott. Book of the Dead. Book of the Dead. There's at the least only two the or only... three stories in there that really give this a um run for its money. I'd be curious as to what stories you're citing, because the only two I can think of would be there was the Stephen King one, of course, which was yes. still phenomenal. That's a great, but even that one has moments that I, I didn't like, and not from a like, you know, I don't really care for that. It was more like a no, I really hate this moment type of thing. And one of them was the thing where the, the astronauts get eaten by worms, or whatever. that was really stupid. It was just that's that's the one misstep in that story is it's just kind of a stupid, pointless part of the story. And then the other one was the people that are living in the biodome when the zombie apocalypse that hits. That's a, that was actually a good one. That was really, really good. The rest of that, I can't remember another story in there that I like. Most of them were too like goth. You know, it was like it was more yes. about like the sex and, and weird, you know, like vagina dentata and shit like that that I just I don't like that Lovecraftian stuff, you know? I I wasn't really into it in the context of Romero style zombie world. I thought they were supposed to be set in George Romero's world right. of zombies. So that's what and I And those expecting. were the only two stories there, that I thought and there were was, there was the one of the like the the like the Navy SEAL squad that were still functioning as zombies on they were so trained that they could still sort of function as a as a group as zombies that that was kind of dumb but i guess really this is the only full length full length zombie novel i've ever read so yes it would have to be the best zombie there is really a dearth of zombie prose you know to to, right. I can't. The only thing I can really think of off the top of my head that was of any popularity was um, World War Z. World War World Z, War Z. Yeah. which I which was entertaining, but it wasn't scary at all. And I actually I have some big problems with it. I thought it was kind of dry and actually lame in parts, but. I enjoyed it, World it War Z a lot, but it had one fatal flaw, which is that. It's a memoir. So instantly you know humanity survives, which I thought, well, that's kind of stupid. You yeah, know that, what I mean? That, that takes it, it. It didn't. It, it was it was interesting in the sense of like you were watching a documentary and it was interesting to hear the stories in that context. But, yes, it had no suspense to it or or real horror to it. You know, it was it was an interesting experiment in and presenting it the story in that way but it never really gave you anything that it was it's like listening to uh world war ii stories from a fighter pilot you know they're exciting and they're you're like holy shit listen to that story but then again you don't those are real stories (laughs) too but you know it, it had that feel to it of like wow that's a that's a neat story but Right. Never, and I mean, we all never... know that we eventually dropped the bomb on Berlin and then the war was over. So, I mean, what's the point, you know? Yeah, it it, it, it just it was good. But it, I'd never I never looked at it as a horror story, you know. So I would have to say this was the best zombie novel I've ever read. <laughs> I could 
I could agree with that. You know, I, my my choice would have been World War Z. You know, it had some great scenes, it had some great moments in it. But yeah, knowing the fact, yeah, and in a way, you know, with a narrative with narrative prose, it's kind of nice that you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, and that's kind of one of the things about you know the Walking Dead comic, in particular, is we don't know what the end is going to be, and you know. Kirkman may not even know what the end is going to be, so it could continue on, oh, yeah. like I, most comics, forever and ever. I think he said he doesn't know how it, he he has a story mapped out years down the line, but he doesn't have an end planned for it at all. It, it sounds like he basically doesn't want to. He wants to just see how long he can run it. You know, I just realized I have the John Russo adaptation of Night of the Living Dead, but I've never read it. So hmm. maybe I have to read that to see if it's see if it's any good. See, I kind of imagine that The Walking Dead will end the same way as that that one segment of Twilight Zone, the movie where they drive off into the sunset and all the poppies are blooming in the background. You know, kind of like Wizard of Oz style. Uh-huh. I think that's how <laughs> Walking Dead should end. <laughs> it's good that Carl shot Shane in the head. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. 
Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. All right, we're we're back after the show, and just to warn you, you've been hanging around, and maybe you're trying to sneak in before reading the book, but we're spoiling the ending of it, so just to warn you again, don't do it unless you've read the book, then come on in we'll talk all right so now now that they know the twist ending that that like the the governor is really rick's twin brother festus <laughs> no it'd be it's rick Kaiser. spelled backwards it would be Kerr. Kerr. <laughs> that's so fucking stupid <laughs> it's no worse than a doy and yoda come on oh jesus <laughs> oh her. His <laughs> evil twin brother with a goatee. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. All right. Jesus. Yeah, Um. the twist ending. Here's the funny thing about the twist ending. Is when I first read that excerpt from the thing, and it was mostly uh, from Brian's point of view. Brian, they were they were in a house in the beginning. It was when they were in that apartment complex. Right. And I was thinking, I think this wimpy guy is going to end up becoming the governor. You but did not. Yes, I did. Oh. But then 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 he referred to his brother as Philip and I'm like, "Oh no, so that's definitely the governor because I remember the governor was called Philip by people." So I'm like, "Okay, right. so I'm totally I'm totally just reading too much into this, you know." But it turns out I was right all the time, even though I was sure I was wrong after I was right. Isn't that how it always is? What? I don't know. But um, um what? How did you feel about that? How did I feel about it? I understood. It, it made sense, but it was still just a little twisty. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, I'm thinking, well, there's some probably some mental illness that runs in the family. 
because up to you know up to that point Brian had been the sort of Dale character he was uh, at least Dale in the TV show where he was the moral center of the group he was he was the one who was the most you know just sensitive sensitive to his surroundings most affected b- besides Penny and uh so that complete of a turnaround is kind of stretching it you know to where he sort of sub, uh, you know assumes his brother's identity but the way he does it i think it works i think kirkman made it work and i like the way he did it by you know taking out the bullies you know that was how he basically and made actually, his reputation yeah, yeah and it also yeah. had an, an and i liked how they introduced uh, martinez's character in there yeah. too and and you see why martinez had such a loyalty to him even to the point where he would betray Rick and those guys because Martinez saw this guy walk in and fucking take out the problem. Of... Well, and that's that's one of the neat things in the comic now is that there was initially, you know, during the run of the comic where Martinez came back to the prison, there was that kind of nagging feeling that, well, maybe when Rick did go run him down with the camper that he really was trying to uh, you know, just go back to Woodbury and bring the good people back to the prison and not inform the governor. Yeah. And now it's kind of, you know, you kind of realize that he was, yeah, that he was working with the governor and that he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna bring the good people back. He was actually lying to Rick. He was probably one of the first people that, that like aligned himself with the governor because he saw that and said, this guy is what we've been looking for. Mm Yeah. And I, I really like that. Um, I mean, it got uh, it, this book has taken a lot of uh, guff because of basically how women are treated in it. Women are do not <laughs> women women do not come out very well in this book. They get raped a lot and killed a lot. Mm-hmm. They basically that's just about what happens to them as they get raped and killed. Well, I've got news for people: the apocalypse isn't going to be a happy. Well, that's what I'm place, saying. You know that's what, what saying? I'm saying. This is the real darker side of The Walking Dead, too. This is even darker than the you know. This is how the governor was made, and I don't think the women were shallow characters for the most part. Any you know, any more they were weren't like sketchy characters compared to any of the other characters just horrible things happened to them and i mean that's part of the governor the governor is a fucking rapist <laughs> that is oh, that yeah. is quite you know that's laid out quite clearly in the comic books he's a sadistic you know terrifying you know and he relishes in causing pain and raping so you know you got to see sort of how he he gets to that, but the, you know, the whole, the whole scene where, you know, it's almost like the horror version of episode three, where <laughs> the mask gets lowered on to Vader, where, you know, he comes upon his brother, you know, raping and killing the girl and, and, you know, and, and, and kills his brother and, uh, and then, you know, basically lets the zombies come in and and polish him off. That was that he was doesn't ins- kill him though. It's but, it's Nick that kills him. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Nick kills Philip, and then Brian kills Nick for having killed Philip, and then that's when he lets the 
the zombies right. come in and basically, you know, take, you know, just erase the up. evidence. Clean the yeah. scene out. I was going to say, the, the, the thing is that, you know, now the character of the governor, or at least who we thought up till this point, the person who was a rapist, the person who plowed through hordes of zombies, the person who violently went after the people who were, uh, you know, attacking his daughter, isn't that person. It's the guy who had a chronic cough, the guy who, um, the guy who basically was the nebbish of the, the, the group, the guy who, you know, his first zombie kill was almost by accident and you know he was still mortified at it this guy becomes essentially the governor it it didn't feel you know i i can understand there might be a psychological problem uh in the family and there might be a possibility of that but he just the the twist didn't really work for me i i think they put it into i i think what happened is he just went into that stage of like where he was thinking what you know he could just think what would my brother do you know and then he he just somehow got the resolve to do it after after the trauma of of you know his brother's death and that that that's that was the part that didn't quite work for me once once he sort of became the character of of Philip you know I mean, I, I, and the thing is, his Philip was. I mean, I pictured him as the governor all through. I'm sure they went did that on oh, purpose. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just pictured the governor all along, and I pictured, I pictured Philip as being this little like wimpy guy. But then I then you realize at the end when they describe Philip as being this wiry, you know, uh, uh, that they hadn't really described him as physically. Before that, you know, right, and I'd already described. formed my own mental image by that point uh-huh. of him as as kind of shorter, dumpier, you know, shorter, shorter, dumpier, no muscle tone, just kind of right. like maybe a little longer, like not yeah. long hair, but like short, short, sort of not goth, bike. yeah, yeah. goth or or just kind of like a wimpy college student kind of guy or. Yeah, the guy yeah. who would own his own little record store, you know, and see, I gotta be honest that you know, don't don't misunderstand me. I loved the book. I really, really enjoyed this, but I felt cheated on on two fronts. For one, I just didn't buy the whole thing. I didn't understand the need for it. I mean, why need this Twilight Zone twist ending? I, I thought it was completely needless yeah. it was completely pointless and it didn't I, I i don't feel like it was successfully sold i mean everything else in the book i really enjoyed everything else whether you know I, you know i was cheering or whether i was cringing i bought all of it but this was the one moment despite you know the the epic way that the authors really try to describe yes. that moment when he snaps you know, Brian, I mean, snaps right. and assumes his brother's identity just didn't work for me. So there was that. But the other thing, too, is that this would not work in any medium except the novel. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if this was the comic, you would know it. If this was a TV show or a movie, you would know it, you yep. know. And and I, I that, again, made it feel like a cheat to me that 
you did this purposely because only because you could get away with it only because it was a novel and i was like what what's the point of that you know that's a good i really point. wish it had been philip all along because that's the character that i came to um really feel for and sympathize with and you talk about horror what is more horrific than coming to really care about somebody who as we see in the walking dead comic series is a completely irredeemable son of a bitch you know that's that's horror you know i mean that is true horror when when you can sympathize with that person suddenly and go you know that would have been enough that would have been enough of an achievement with the book is to make you sympathize with the character of the governor even after reading the comics you know yeah i almost wonder if maybe this was done because at some point they realized that you were sympathizing with someone that was so despicable in the Camino, that this was your out, basically, no. that it was okay to right. come to like Philip because in the long run, it's not Philip who does the horrific things later in the series. Maybe I don't know, that, but it's still. But it's does, not like you don't like. It's sense. not like you don't like Brian either, though. That's the thing. Is, oh, I, I didn't. I, I didn't like him. I kept he along with Penny. He was the other one. See, I felt like. See, I saw a lot of parallels, and this is going to sound really stupid. But I saw a lot of parallels between this and, say, like the prequel trilogy of Star Wars movies is that you were seeing that journey towards the dark side. I thought that Brian was going to serve the same purpose that Anakin's mother served to kind of drive him further to the dark, that when he finally lost Penny and Brian, that's when the change would occur and he would truly become the governor. And that's not what happened at all. And what we got instead is something that, I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't quite believe it. You know, it, it just, I, maybe it's one of those things where you have to see it. Maybe if the right actor was to do it, you could come to buy it, but it was just sold to us so much during the course of this book that this guy was, you know, he, he was the, the fat sidekick, you know, I just don't see him as, you know the the person that he's eventually supposed to become. I saw Philip as that person. You know. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I that I, just. I thought that whole scene, the whole scene, you know, where where the change taking place was horrifying, but contrived. And then after that, once he'd assumed the personality, I thought that I I really enjoyed that part. I thought I thought that was. I'm glad it didn't just end with that. I'm glad it showed how he he first stepped in and took over at Woodbury, or, or you know, laid the foundation of of taking over. And it had a very that scene had a very realistic feel to to it, and the way the violence played out in it, you know, and the the characters who got shot and stuff. Right. But, but uh, yeah. But that 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 the the twist was is the one part that stands out to me as the the flaw. In this, yes. in this book, it's not a fatal flaw for sure, but it's no, it doesn't destroy the book, but it does give it, it does leave it, you know, with that, it does leave you with that sort of bad taste in your mouth. Yes, no intended. It's yeah, yeah it's just like it, it, it was something we di- we didn't need. It was just like okay, yeah. I see you're going for a twist, but you see, I, I I agree with Sean, and I, I I can't totally agree with you, Chris, because I can't help but notice that that's where the book ends. 
as soon as he says, you know, I'm Philip. See, I, the scene you're talking about was seeing him make that transition and seeing. See, I don't see it that way. I see it as, you know, we're told that he's made the transition and now he's the governor. And, you know, the end. And it's like, you, so I don't feel like you ever really do see him do something that sells it, that now he's the guy that's capable of doing this things that we see him do in this series. That I, I guess that's my ultimate problem with it is I feel like there's a disconnect there. I saw his brother, Philip, well on the way to becoming that character. I don't see I never saw Brian as yep. being the character that would become the I I still don't even with the big you know two, it's like right. two or three pages spent on all this prose of this thought process that he's going through as he snaps and takes those guys out and assumes this mantle and, and I'm sorry I don't buy it because as soon as he kills them it's like okay book's over and it's like well wait a minute where's the rise of the governor you, yeah, <laughs> you know you what I mean you, you, you're brought through the book believing Philip's going to be the governor and you see all the things uh, that turn him into it, that turn him into this sadistic person and then at the very end of it you, know, you find out that his brother who's been basically a, a genial person who's been trying to protect you know, Penny all this time you know, who hasn't really been akin to violence or sadism or anything has suddenly got to just flip a switch and suddenly become the sadistic bastard and it's not it's not brought forward it's just like accept it you know right now i'm a, now i'm a sadistic bastard now i'm going to do horrible things to rape people and i'm going to cut people's limbs off and all of this and you're just supposed to you know like i said you're just supposed to accept that this is something that's going to happen like the flip of the switch. It's sort of like a it, it, it's sort of like a soap opera story where a character bumps their head and becomes someone else or becomes right. their well, twin brother or something like that. But I mean, they tried but, really hard to make it plausible. But, with all the setup, it just seemed with all the setup is you know Philip's going to become the governor to have it come to the very end. And have this like three page or, you know, for the audio drama, you know, couple of minute thing describing how he was going to take the place of Philip just seemed really contrived and didn't really work. I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. Okay. But see, that said, now I'm afraid that anybody who's who's listened to this part that but hasn't. Well, read hopefully the book, they've read. Well, if they've listened we, to this part we, and hadn't read the book, we told we them have, so. Yeah, we gave them fair warning. If but I'm afraid now this, that they're going to think, well, you know, not only did they know how it ends, but now it's not worth reading because we didn't like. No, I, I again, I want to no. emphasize, I really enjoyed it's well the book. Worth reading, yeah. And it is even though worth I reading, listening yeah, to whatever. Yeah, even though I didn't uh, care for the ending, it, it didn't diminish the book to me at all. I, I still thought it was a fantastic read. Now, here's I, the big question for you: is is the penny? that we follow through this book that dies, that becomes a little zombie girl that that's in the apartment at the end of the story. Is she the same little girl that's in the comics? Cause I don't think so. I think the little girl in the comics looks younger. I think that I, I think it doesn't have to necessarily be. I think by the time he's in full insanity that he probably like if something happened to one penny, he'd just go out and get another penny. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's know? exactly yeah, what I'm I thinking. 
That's exactly that. what I'm thinking because the the way she's described to look in the book is very different from the way she looks. Again, granted, she's a dead little girl in the comics, but she's got like little blonde pigtails and she doesn't look like that in the book. So I'm thinking there's an added horror element there somewhere that as his zombies wear out, he just gets new ones. And that's, I mean, how disturbed is that? You know, I I didn't think about that, but yeah, that would be pretty creepy. You know, I, I didn't really, you know, make the correlation that, you know, this wasn't the penny wasn't the zombie in there, but now you describe, you know, you're going to describe her look and yeah, that makes it all the more creepy that, you know, he could be just replacing the daughter, you know, whenever, the old one wears out. Ugh. Yeah, that's... Cause see, ugh. I went and looked at the comics again because there's the issue... We're coming up to it soon in our coverage on this show, but there's an issue that's um, kind of a flashback tale of the governor. And there's a moment between the governor and the zombie girl where he basically bids her farewell that... I just don't I personally don't think it can work unless it's not the same penny from the novel. I just don't. For one thing he call he he I'm pretty sure he refers to himself as daddy, which now yeah. we know he's not the little mm-hmm. girl's daddy well, unless he's that twisted in his own mind that now he's yeah, convinced he's, himself that he is. Yeah, unless the Philip persona has basically taken over his sight i think that's right. basically what has happened i think that's basically what the, that's why that he was able to do that stuff is that was they were proposing that but that, there's also know, that kind creepy like yeah well there's also that creepy i don't even know what you would call it like 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 necrophilia pedophilia oh, yeah. implication yeah. there and again i don't see him being that way with the real penny. Well, I you know was trying I mean? to think. I was trying to think. Yeah. He would have to have some sort of hostility towards her by that. You know, he has hus- It's his daughter, but he also has this like obvious hostility towards her. So that's why I'm thinking maybe by the comic, it ain't his daughter. You know, or, or right. his perceived daughter, or the original penny, or whatever. You know, right? Yeah, he could. He could. He could just learn from seeing Philip. You know, feeding her and. That's what he does with the new I don't, girl. I don't think he's even. I don't even think he. It's even a pedophilia, necrophilia thing. I think by that point, what happens with the governor is you just see a person who's testing the waters of like, how far can I go? You know, maybe I'm almost a god. You know, to where I can just sort of do whatever I want now. As right. a matter of fact, I'm going to see how low and how bad I can go you know just because I can and there's nothing to stop me and that's sort of what I always thought of the governor's character as is pure you know pure power you know just pure abuse of power well one thing you know as much as I don't like that ending it it does make me feel a little better for coming to really like Phillips you know the, the real Phillips character in the book because ultimately He's not the same guy. He know? isn't the same guy, but he still was like raping and killing women. Well, I mean, <laughs> at yes, at the at the at the end of his life in the book, yeah, he he had become pretty despicable. But you know, up to that point, you know, uh, from the character he starts out to be up until the point right. where where he really kind of loses it, 
I, you know, now I don't feel so bad sympathizing with him and coming to really like him and hoping he was going to make it somehow, even though you know where yeah. the story's headed in, you know, the Vegas to terms. Still, I mean, that was one of the the really strong elements of the book to me was rooting for the guy, you know, that you, you just see them go through such horrible stuff. You want them to be all right. You know, you you don't want it to end badly for them. And I felt, you know, you feel badly for them when it does. Yeah. Well, once Penny dies, that's sort of the end of, you know. Right. That's the end of everybody's reason for existence at that point. You know, she was sort of the center of what everybody was there to keep her alive. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and it was. That was a horrific moment when... Because everybody realized it, too. I think everybody came to that same realization independent of one another but very quickly that you know now you know there was no more glue to really hold everybody together but now is the moment where everybody's likely going to turn on everybody else too and, yeah and everybody and and everybody i'm sure was going what the hell is philip gonna do you know right he's he's not you know i don't you know is he gonna even care if we live or die or is he gonna kill us all you know there's you, you know who knows what his reaction could have been his reaction was actually uh, was surprisingly rational, except for the part of you know keeping his daughter chained up and feeding her. But it, he was you know he was still he he was soldiering on, which was like very very strange. You know you'd think this was where he would sort of go ape shit, but he was you know he was he was soldiering on in a way. But yeah, it goes downhill pretty quickly. I recommend it, and I'll bet I do you, too. I'll bet you Orko Stafry would too if she wasn't whale She's, burgers by now. Yeah, zombie Orko Stafry now. <laughs> oh, that that would be a book club I'd love to listen to. <laughs> zombie Orko. Now that will be the greatest zombie novel ever written. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a remake of Moby Dick. <laughs> Except with Scott Gardner hunting the zombie or- orca wind stay free in the <laughs> on the high seas. Brains.